Hey guys, this is Josh. In this podcast, we reference a song called Working for the Weekend by Max. We aren't able to include that song in this episode for copyright reasons, but we have linked to it in the show notes. So, be sure to check it out and hear it for yourself. Thanks again for joining us in today's conversation. We live on this spectrum where at one end, like let's put the word hustle. That's the I'll sleep when I'm dead. I like that that word. That's a good word. The hustle culture. But on the other end of that spectrum is this word that nobody likes to hear. And it's not rest. It's lazy. Right? Mm. So if you have this spectrum of hustle to lazy, what I've come to realize, and I think we all would too, is like both of those are our lives. Hurry sickness is defined as you rushing through tasks, feeling irritable when there's any delay, interrupting or talking over people, always running through the to-do list in your head, treating everything like a race, mm-hmm. always feeling behind schedule, continuously multitasking, and never being able to get away from a sense of urgency. Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you experience the life Jesus offers. I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and I'm joined by my friends, Josh, Kelly, and Bill. We are so excited you're here. So pull up a chair and join us in this conversation about what it takes to live free and light. Friends, happy High Holy Week. And also with you. (laughs) I've never in my whole life working in church heard the term High Holy Week until I was 42 years old today. As it turns out, that's not really a thing. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> I like that you said it with confidence. Yeah. Made it, you know, more believable. It's good. Yes. But it is Holy Week. Hey, happy yes. Holy Week. That, yes. I love starting off an episode with just utter confusion for the listener. <laughs> like, where so, are we going? Uh, as you try to open a new tab and Google that. But that's yes. where our friend and uh, producer over here is just like, there's no way around that on the editing process. No, so, no, no, no we we'll just, we'll just cut it all. <laughs> well, it's also kind of like spring break week. I don't know. Everybody's spring break falls a little bit different. But the reason I bring that up is because it's the season when we start to finally for God's sake, rest. And the weather gets better here where we're at. So, I mean, to me, that contributes to the rest, like moving out of snow into the sun, that ball of gas in the sky that we all like to rest. My seasonal depression goes away. goes away. (laughs) Oh, that too. We start moving outside. Yeah. Those of you in the West and the South, we are forever jealous slash happy for you. Or resentful. One or the other. (laughs) I think of the song, what is it from Tangled? And at last I see the light. <laughs> and the, the cloud is lit, or the fog is yes. lifted. Yeah. Yeah. For those in the, the Midwest, that's what my kids say to me. Like when the sun's out in winter or spring, they go, what is that big ball of gas oh in the sky? Goodness. Like, what yes. is that? <laughs> well, I'm excited about this conversation today. We've been in this ongoing discussion about what it takes to slow down and be still before God. And this is the last episode in part one of this season, part one centered around that word, that phrase, be still, that we have really, we're doing our best to live our life around this and we're fumbling our way through it. And so we've, you know, we've talked about anxiety and depression and kind of the culture of America a little bit with that a couple episodes ago. And just this idea, we can be still moment to moment and settling is a way that we do that. Last episode, we talked about the process of structurally slowing our lives. And I was actually doing the daily rhythm as it came out. 
So I started turning off the music in my car when I drive. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. Just driving in silence? Yes. Even when I run, I have my headphones in. Yes. And so like the fact that you would drive without music... It's unbelievable. Wow, okay. I'm just sitting yeah. there with my thoughts. And like what happens is I'm like, God, how are we doing? <laughs> it's anyway. So that would you, happen after I took my nap in the car while driving. I, <laughs> I started doing that years and years ago. And you guys know me, like my entire life was music pretty much. Mm -hmm. I lived for mu musician, lived for it, grew up with it. And I found myself years and years and years ago, like more than 10 years ago, doing the same thing. Like, you know what? On this drive to work, like I, I just turned it all off and it, because the rest of my day was, was music yeah. and all of that. Tim, I would say one thing. I would rather take your advice in driving slow than turning the music off. Well, you know, well, that, that's actually, <laughs> I know you, that's funny for sure, but I actually think that's a really good point is that all of these practices are going to look different for each individual person, mm -hmm. right? Like one of the ways you really connect to God, Bill, is when you run, sometimes he tells you to shut off the music. That's happened about once every quarter when he wants to get my attention. <laughs> right. It's really eerie when you're like getting your playlist queued up and God's like, hey, just leave those. Exactly. And the three of us think that's just revolting. It's like when, it's like <laughs> when your dad says, hey, uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. I'm like, oh. So we're like, okay. you know, but that's a... A great way that you connect with God. And for me right now, driving without music in the car is that's awesome. Is really quite interesting. Um, I've had other seasons where, remember I was trying to walk slower, Kel? Yeah, yeah. Because I have a hard time keeping up with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> the leg length is a little different. I You're like take a mom those, on mission in a grocery store. I take so. one and a half steps for every yeah. average human's steps. <laughs> that makes sense. We ran together yeah. for Gate a very a short time. That's it. So, Anyway, we've tackled a lot. We've covered a lot of ground. And this episode, we're talking about really the culmination of all that. In some ways, we're talking about rest and in particular, Sabbath rest. And, and it's this idea of are we working from a place of rest or are we working for the weekend? As I was doing research for this episode, I just like literally Googled working for the weekend. And the song, I think it's by Max, popped up. And he just put into words really the tension around this practice of Sabbath. Most of us, if we're being really honest, we work all week for the weekend so that we can set down the things we got to do. And we, you know, air, I'm air quoting here, rest, you're so soft selling that. Like we just set down the things. What people do is they plan to get off work early on Friday and then they go and they open a bottle of wine, they turn on Netflix, and then they don't come out of that coping mechanism until Monday morning around six. That's exactly right. So I love how you're saying that. Well, and the reason I love that song So kind. Is, right. <laughs> Here's the reason I love that song. There's two lines. One, but that weekend never came. Uh-oh. That's a mic drop. Think of how many of us have our weekends that are packed. Right. That's not restful. That's not restful. That's not restful. No. <laughs> Man, thinking of spring going into summer with kids and activities. Totally. And... Here's the second line in this resignation in his voice. I guess I'll sleep when I'm dead. There's a part of me that wants to say amen and a part of me that wants to go, yeah, that's not good. It's not good. <laughs> this is very bad. It's not good. And I, I mean, Josh, you and I talk about it all the time. Like that is the culture of America because we like to geek out on you know, theological, cultural, all kinds of stuff like that. And 
That's the culture of America, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like Bill said, like, culture has this way of just talking about the things beneath the surface in a very palatable way. And so, like, applaud the author and writers of that song. But I had this thought, like, we live on this spectrum. We're at one end. Like, let's put the word hustle. That's the, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I like, that. I like that word. That's a good word. The hustle culture. But on the other end of that spectrum is this word that nobody likes to hear. And it's not rest. It's lazy. Right? Mm. So if you have this spectrum of hustle to lazy, what I've come to realize, and I think we all would too, is like both of those are, are lies, right? But when I hear you say the word lazy, in my mind, now this is a, this is a fun conversation, I go, I'm going to run as far away from that as possible. Exactly. Lazy, that word, I have like a, like my body reacts, like that word hurts. Mm. Right? Yeah. Well, no, we don't like, want to be lazy. Like if you said to one of your kids, you know, you are so lazy. That's not great, right? No. Not at all. No, that would not be good for parents right. out there. Not the line you want to use. That's rest shaming. <laughs> like, don't do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I wonder as you say Not that. heard of that. <laughs> yes. So Josh, say it again, what you just said. There are two lies from the so opposite I, side. I think that most of us, we, we live on this spectrum between hustle and lazy. And both of those extremes at each end, there's lies, there's untruths, incongruencies attached to both. So like on the hustle side, the, the lies or the untruths would actually be about our ability, right? Our ability to, to do all the things at crank it up to 11, mm-hmm. right? That's the busyness culture, the pace culture. But the other end is interesting because lazy, you know, everybody around the table just cringed, you know, nobody wants to be categorized as lazy. The lie is that if you are not at the other end of that spectrum or moving towards hustle, you're actually moving towards sloth, lazy, ineffective, useless, wasting time. But it's the rest that we're trying to get to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If we were drawing that on a line, I would feel like 95% of that is lazy and 5% is good. And if I'm anywhere in that paradigm of that, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. well, you you know what you're hitting on in a roundabout way, Josh, is this practice of Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And maybe a better way to say that is God's original design for how we are supposed to work, because he calls us to work hard, mm-hmm. to put in a full day's effort to give our best for his glory, ultimately. And he says, but listen, one day a week, I need you to shut it down. Not for any other reason than A, it's good for you, and B, I want to invite you into a rhythm of rest and in that, you get to worship me. And we have just sort of like lost our way on that. Yeah, we have a note in here in our show notes about the term like hurry sickness. Hurry sickness is a more like on the nose way of describing hustle culture. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with what that term is, hurry sickness is defined as you rushing through tasks, feeling irritable when there's any delay, interrupting or talking over people, always running through the to do list in your head treating everything like a race, mm-hmm. always feeling behind schedule, continuously multitasking, and never being able to get away from a sense of urgency. That's hurry sickness. Wow. Well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> As you're listing those off, I'm like, oh man, like I think of either a past life or seasons I've been in where I was like, yep, check that box. Yep, Same. check that yeah. box. And then I was like, oh, can we make like this website that looks like WebMD, but it's That's only right. for hurry sickness and you just check the boxes and diagnose yourself? <laughs> yes. Well, it's funny as you say that because what's going through my head is, okay, well, how do we solve hurry sickness? And I know we've talked about settling and slowing and, yeah. and those are really important, but here's how I think culture solves that. And we're in it right now. They solve it with spring break. Yeah, spring break. Right? We've worked hard for three months. 
and we're going to go away to some exotic destination and we're going to sit on a beach or do all the things and come back expecting to be refreshed. Yeah. And you've been on spring break before. You need a vacation after uh, your vacation. Exactly. <laughs> My experience yeah. on spring break is once again another podcast. Yeah, uh, I that don't is not feel like today. we should talk about nope. like some um, spring breaks. But when we, on talk, this when we talk about like that idea of spring break or your family's annual vacation or the Christmas trip that you that you live for, I know people and I've been there before where you're waiting for weeks and months. You're planning. You're mm-hmm. you're getting everything in order because nobody would ever say this. But once we go on that trip, everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. And then the prep for the trip and the recovery after the trip and the trip itself. That's right. Do not measure up. The expectations are broken. And then there's just this repetitive cycle. And there's nothing wrong with going on those trips, by the no, way. No, trips right? are awesome. They're, They're just not your saving we grace. We should call them an adventure. Yeah. Or we should call them a vacation. It's not a rhythm of rest necessarily. Remember our vacation last June? It was great, wasn't it? Oh my goodness. My <laughs> my heart is still broken. It's still hard to talk uh, about. <laughs> right. We so we planned a 10-day trip to California with our kids the second they got out of school. And we were gonna hit Yosemite for five days and then go down to LA and then San Diego. And it was a disaster. It was so not restful. And that created so much tension, you know, with us and yep. with our kids and with what we were doing. I felt like we got robbed. It just got we, stolen. And some of it wasn't stolen our fault. Away, for right? sure. Delta canceled their flight on us again. This episode is brought to you by <laughs> Delta Airlines for the third time that year. And, you know, and we had some sickness. It wasn't all of our fault. But at the end of the day, what did we intentionally plan on that trip, if you will? A packed schedule. You always realize with a trip or vacation and when your expectations are too high, when you get about halfway through it and you're like, oh, this didn't meet the need. Bill, that was like 24 hours in. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty fast. With, with I made a mistake. Loop. I need an adult. <laughs> abort. abort. Help. Yeah. And so, and then we came home. Yeah. Early. Cut our trip early. And then came home and we needed a Sabbath. We needed a rest from our vacation. Maybe that should have been the intro line. Have you ever had to get a vacation from your vacation? (laughs) Yeah. And so I I don't know. It's just this interesting thing between like getting away to vacation or have an adventure or go see friends and family or whatever that anybody listening to this, who's done that, they know that's not the same thing as deep rest. Yes. And it fills a need, but it's not the soul level rest that we desperately need. What I hear you saying, what I hear all of us saying is there's a level of rest that can be accomplished through a weekend. There's a level of rest that can be accomplished through a trip. And there's a deeper level of rest that can only be solved by a structural shift. That's it. And newsflash, that was God's original design. And, you know, we in ministry, even though two of us are bivocational, we have a lot of people in ministry in our lives And the interesting thing is they know all the thing, but so few of them actually practice structural rest or Sabbath. And so, and that's true, not just of ministry, but non-ministry. It's it's difficult to do this thing. And yet we all know it was God's original design. By the way, whether you think it's a command or a gift, it's still good for us, right? If you think it's still a command for today, great. If you think it's just a gift and an invitation, great. Still good for us. Oh yeah, Jesus practiced the Sabbath too. <laughs> we know it's good for us, but why is it so dang hard to do it? 
Tim, can you do us and our listeners a favor real quick? Give me just your 20 seconds on what is Sabbath as you're talking about it. So Josh, help me here, just in case I get a little bit over my head. But Sabbath, we see it as a command in the Old Testament. We unpacked this, by the way, in, in season one. You can go back and listen to that episode. Episode 19. We'll link to it, though. There it is. Uh, it was a command in the Old Testament, right? Ten commandments. And so God says, set aside one day a week as a Sabbath rest to me. It means stop and engage with him, worship him, that sort of thing. And then we find in the New Testament that Jesus comes and he says, Sabbath is made for you, not you for the Sabbath, basically breaking the legalism part of that. But he's inviting us into that. We see the New Testament writers invite us into that Sabbath. And, you know, really every, not every, most uh Jews, Christians following Jesus's uh, death and resurrection still practice the Sabbath. And really in America up until like 60, 70 years ago, we had rhythms of rest. 7-Eleven. It was all because of the Slurpee. <laughs> 7 <-11. laughs> It was all because of the Slurpee. Ch change that. That's exactly right. And so now we're on 24-7. And so this experiment, it really is an experiment in not practicing rhythms of rest, not practicing Sabbath, is only 40 or 50 years old. And we're 2,000 plus years after Christ. And we're, who knows, you know, 10,000 years, 7,000 years, whatever, after the Ten Commandments. And here we are. And we're like, why are we so stressed out and overworked and working for the weekend? It's like, what? Do you think people realize that 50 to 60 years ago, the idea of being on all the time was the most foreign concept people could grasp? That's exactly right. And here's the way I sort of look at it personally, right? It's the only Ten Commandment that we generally think is optional. Like, we know it's not good to murder or steal or lie. We know it's a good idea to honor your father and mother, whether we obey all those or not. But generally speaking, we don't talk about Sabbath as a Christian culture. And we're like, oh, that, that one doesn't apply anymore. Can I say, and maybe it's not being raised in the church as well, I didn't know Sabbath was for me. I didn't learn a lot about Sabbath, or I thought it was for this priest or, or pastors only, or only people who served in ministry. And so I think there's we have some wrong ideas about what Sabbath is. I totally agree. And and then it feels like I don't I don't even want to touch that because yeah. I, I don't even understand it. Right? I, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to go on this just a little bit further, it's also it's the only Ten Commandment that's actually a spiritual discipline. So that we would practice in rhythm. God knew we needed it, which is the point. He's like, I'm gonna give you this spiritual practice, a spiritual discipline. And so all that to say is, what is it at the end of the day? A, it's a command or invitation, depending on which way you look at it theologically, blah, blah, blah. All right? It's a gift, actually, at that's the it. end of the day. Yeah, that's it's it. a gift. And two, really like nuts and bolts practically, it's setting a day aside to stop producing, to rest, to delight in God and worship. It's funny, because as you say that... Half our audience just sighed because you said a day. Right. Uh, the other half is thinking about what they have to do on Sunday as they go to church. And they go, well, Sunday's the day I serve in the children's ministry, and then I come home, and I make dinner for my family, and then I have to get my kids ready because they have youth group that night, and then we have to pack the lunches and make sure homework's done before. And so I think as we move into this to talk about what it is and what it's not is going to be really helpful for people. Totally agree. We'll, we'll get there from that. But let's just piggyback on what you just said for just a second, right? Just, okay, it's a day. Let's start with the the perfect scenario. It's a whole day to stop, rest, delight, and worship. Let's be honest. 
our culture is not set up for it. I mean, no, any of the be still things we've talked about, settling, slowing, Sabbath. So you very well could feel like, well, I'm disqualified. I have to disqualify myself. It's not going to work. I don't have a whole day. Well, I actually think this one's even harder at a cultural tension perspective, Bill, because we can probably say, I'm going to push back against the systems of the world and I'm going to take a couple deep breaths and practice, I'm air quoting mindfulness, right? Settling in our terminology because we invite God into it. That's the distinction there. Or we can say, I'm not going to play music in the car and I'm going to be more present. And we can do that. And that doesn't affect our schedules. Don't it, talk about my schedule. Does, Don't talk right. about my schedule. <laughs> it doesn't Wait affect other people. But when you say, and we'll use you know Josh's kids as an example because they play soccer. No, we can't come to the soccer game on Saturday because it's Sabbath. Now you're really like messing with something significant there. Josh, you're a football aficionado. How do you feel about that? <laughs> it's right on. And really it goes back to that. Like, where am I on that spectrum of the crazy busy? It just seems like in our world, in culture, in my own life, and in your guys's too, you would say this too. It's like, it's incongruent. It doesn't fit. And Bill, like you said, like, well, none of this entire first segment of like what we're journeying through on the podcast really does. We talk about how it's countercultural. And so that's where it needs to have balance. But also at the same time, we have to be proactive. Otherwise, we just get caught up in the pace of the world, which is every, that's everybody. Everybody's caught up in the pace of the world and culture. Let me ask you this. What is your personal tension with Sabbath? Now, here's the ground rules. You can't talk about culture. You can't talk about church context. You can't talk about the bigger systems of the world. Your personal tension with Sabbath. I'm an Enneagram 3. Do I need to say anything more? <laughs> is that like just said that like that? Bill, I don't think everybody knows what an Enneagram 3 is. Okay. Although you and I both being 3s know that uh, everybody should. Think. I'm an ESTJ <laughs> on the Myers-Briggs. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, like it is not, um, it's not intuitive. It doesn't seem practical, like on the, on the base level. And growing up in the church, I have some conflicting messages in my heart on, you know, Sabbath is church day. But then church is work for many people, even people that are not uh, paid staff in the church. Josh, you used the word incongruent. Like it, it doesn't seem to fit with what I see in scripture versus what I see in my life. For me, I'm like, just even, I'm like, well, how's everything going to get done? Yeah. There's all this stuff to be done. It's an easier way to say what I said. And, <laughs> much better. And, and how's it, how is it going to get done? It seems inconvenient to me. Ooh, Tim, how do you feel when you're inconvenienced? Oh, I'm really annoyed. <laughs> Slash angry. We don't want Is to that be true? told. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's true. Yes. We don't want to be told that you, proverbial you, you're doing too much, right? Mm. So on this side of experiencing this spiritual practice, this spiritual, in my spiritual rhythm and as a family, we've had multiple encounters with friends, family, neighbors, 
will oftentimes, depending on who we're talking to, refer to it as a family rest day. If I'm talking over the fence to a neighbor and this is coming up and the head tilts a little bit and then there's a question and it's Kelly, what you said, well, how do you get everything done? And you know, then I was like, well, that's a good litmus test for the quantity in your life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of things. It's not just work as we talked about soccer practice and church and all good things, but it's a good litmus test for the quantity in your life. And when, when someone hears, well, Maybe you're doing too much. It seems outdated when you say that. Mm -hmm. Here's the real reason. I'll read this to you. All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough. They'll never be enough. (laughs) Towers of gold, still too little. These hands can hold the world, but it'll never be enough. Is this Rihanna or the Bible? It'll never be enough for me. The greatest showman. There we go. Oh, <laughs> never enough. That is actually, if I really get down to the root of it for me. Yeah, that's it. There's a serious element of like, I just want to experience it all. Now, the introvert listening to this maybe is like, yeah, that's not me. But for me as an extrovert, there's never been an adventure I didn't want to take. Or there's never a, a thing I didn't want to be a part of. And so being forced to rest forces me to wrestle with that, and it brings to light the question, and I want to say truth, but it's really a question. Yeah. Is God enough? So you just did two jumps there that I thought this podcast was for other people. This is, this <laughs> but, is always a therapy session. You, you used the word forced. Remember, four, four, and, four chairs around the table with the fifth chair yeah, open. I had a visceral reaction to the word forced, and then the question, is God enough? And I think those are... Those are great well, questions. Well, and maybe that tips my hand to where I, I actually think it's a command. I don't I don't think it's an option personally. And I don't really care if, if you agree or disagree because I'll just say it's a gift. Yeah. After practicing it for a couple of years, it's just a gift. But for me, I have been addicted to 39 different things in the course of my life. 39. And when I replay what the underlying source of why I've been addicted to golf three times and why I've chased this thing or that thing or collected this thing, baseball cards and wine or whatever it is, right? Ultimately, what it comes down to is a belief that I don't believe God is enough. And so when I take an entire day a week to not produce, to rest, to acknowledge he is actually enough, whether I believe it or not, that's true. He is actually enough. And then to delight in that, this unbelievable thing happens to where it puts in perspective that he is God, I am not, that he actually doesn't need me to keep the world going, but he invites me to play an important part in his kingdom, but he needs me to play that part from a place of rest as opposed to... <laughs> You know, all the other things we've been talking about, burned out and tired and crazy. It feels like it's us when we lay our kids down for a nap. Mm. We're like, why are you fighting this when it is it is a need so deep in you to have this rest? But I feel like that tension is is a surrender, that we have to surrender our agenda our to-do list, our time, which 
that's what we all care about is our time. And it's maybe spending it differently than we would planned or what we had scheduled or the world had scheduled for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I start thinking as you're talking about that stuff, I start flipping my mind to the fruit. You know, it's a question we've asked on this podcast a lot of, of what, you know, we talked earlier about the tension we have with it. You Mm -hmm. know, what happens in your life? And Josh, I know you and your family practice Sabbath also. What happens in your life when this is done well? That structural rest. Right. For me, when I think about like tension fruit, because that's what this whole season is about. Yeah. Like, what's the tension with with trying to be still and what's the fruit? To me, it comes down to I can either chase the American dream or I can find the life that Jesus offers, but I probably can't have both. Like probably. I can, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm not gonna make a definitive statement. Like because I haven't sussed this out long enough to be like, do I actually believe that? But yeah, to me it that's what I'm wrestling with is like we we had Justin Thomas on last year. Remember his um, interview, Josh? And we titled that like uh, something around the American dream. Yeah, chasing the American dream. Chasing the American dream. That's right. Yeah. And I really feel like we the connotation of this is the American dream. You can do it all. You can have it all. You can do anything you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be. Yep, you can chase that or you can chase the life that Jesus offers. But by the way, the life that he offers depends on him and not you. And to do it well, you're going to have to learn how to rest. Yeah, it's, uh, again, it, there's this dichotomy between, we were just talking about Justin Thomas, it's like, well, the American dream is is really a myth, but we've made it a reality. So, would we rather have an invincibility, like, complex, or would we rather have an inferiority complex? And again, those are two spectrums. Because the American dream is, I am invincible, not even to a degree. Like, mm-hmm. if I want it, I can just work hard enough to get it. Like, anything is possible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The other side of that coin is not a place that many of us would want to go, an inferiority complex. Yeah, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. So, uh, yeah, what you said earlier, you know, the tension is that. Will the world spin without me spinning it? Of course it will. We don't live that way, though. Yeah. So th- that's my personal tension. I think a lot of people feel that tension. Maybe if you're on the introverted side of things, the FOMO and that sort of thing, never enough, maybe isn't as much of a thing. But I think the reality is a lot of us feel that, maybe to lesser degrees or another. Flipping to the fruit, which is where you were leading us, Bill, when I practice Sabbath well, whatever that means, when I practice it regularly and, and engage with God, in it, the fruit of it is unbelievable in it. It sort of almost puts to rest the FOMO yeah, and the, you know, chasing the American dream kind of thing. And it's a really unexpected outcome and interior transformation that happens in me when I am practicing Sabbath regularly. Yeah. I think in the fruit category, we think that if we can develop a pattern or a system or a rhythm of rest then what is the fruit? Well, it's rest. And that in and of itself is great. And I think that's what most people who maybe haven't entered in or tried this or experienced it would think that like, that is the fruit. So if I rest, I will be rested. It's like you go to the spa, like, let's say that's something you do and you get a massage, manicure, pedicure. How do you feel when you come out of that? I've never had a pedicure, so Uh, I don't know. You know, like you feel feel great, but what? You feel rested and rejuvenated. And if those were the only products of building a rhythm of rest into your life, that would be awesome. 
but we can all attest to that there is so much more on the other side. Yeah, and, and I would think when we look at this and go, you know, the word that pops up for me, uh, the fruit is being content. That word of not not looking at my neighbor's car, not looking at a new set of clothing, not looking at the newest running watch. I think of Philippians 4, when Paul there, he says, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. And, mm-hmm. you know, you read through the verse, I've lived with nothing or everything. I've learned the secret to living. And then he switches and goes, for I can do all things through Christ. Yep. I've always wondered about that verse, like, well, what's the secret to contentment? What does it mean? And he's like, it's just doing things with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Cal, do you remember the um, the breakout session we let it overflow not too long ago? Yeah. So we did this um, one hour breakout, and we really let a conversation around Sabbath. We talked about it for maybe twenty minutes or so. Yeah. But do you remember the questions we were asking at the end, which is like, "Hey, what would your life look like? Yeah, if you practiced Sabbath?" And we had them. Tell us, what did they say? Working from rest instead of towards rest is something that I think only recently, because I've really been fumbling through the Sabbath thing, that I'm starting to notice. I think I shared last season that I was really good at setting our family up for Sabbath, but I wasn't good at personally doing it. So it felt really fumbly. However, just recently, we had spoken at that conference, we came home and we went right into our Sabbath and we rested. And that next evening, I had to walk through something really hard with one of our daughters, really hard, kind of in the middle of the night. And as I went to bed in those late or early morning hours, late night hours, recognizing had I not Sabbath, had I not rested, I would have no reserves to tap into mm-hmm. to be present with her and help her navigate that if I wasn't working from rest and was only working for a quick moment of rest. So you just said two things there, Kelly. Thank you for sharing that. You said I had reserves and I was fully present. Like I wonder, like just for those that are listening in our audience right now, when's the last time you've had reserve enough to deal with an inconvenience or mm-hmm. something pressing a friend? And like, when's the last time you were fully present? Yeah. And that's what we were asking the, I don't know, 80, 90, hundred people, whatever. And the breakout session was, Hey, what would your life look like if you practiced Sabbath? Or maybe another way to say that would be is what would your life look like if you learned rhythms of rest? And it was really interesting. The hands would go up and they would say, I'd be a better dad. Yeah. I'd be a better mom. It was all in the context of relationship. Exactly. And it was all positive. Yeah. Nobody said, well, I think I'd still be just as anxious. (laughs) <laughs> no, it was, it, it, you could feel like it, being in the room with you, you could feel when you asked that question, there was a a breath of like expectancy, like, right. whoa, if I did that, there was a part of me that would be different. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's, I guess, friend listening, that's what we want to ask you. We get the cultural tension. It's real. America is not set up for you to practice Sabbath. It's not. We are fully aware of that. And yet you can, it's a choice. We make time for the things that are important to us. That's just that's just the reality of it. But ask yourself this, what would your life look like if you dedicated a specific time a week, whether it's four hours or eight hours or an entire day to doing four things? Stop working, stop producing, rest, literally rest your body, delight in something that brings joy to your soul, 
And then figure out a way to invite God into all that and worship him through what you're doing, through the stopping, through the resting, through the delight, and through the worship. So Tim, as, as people are listening and I'm listening, we're thinking about ways to give action steps and you outline those stop, rest, delight, worship. For the mom out there with three kids that is... 18 loads of laundry deep for the dad out there who has a 60 hour work week to fit into 45 hours for people that are listening and going, I want this. Mm -hmm. What's my next step? You're talking about resources, Bill. I'm just, I'm talking about action steps. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just went back to myself. No, it's, it's awesome. I think that is exactly the right question. And what the four of us around this table have come to believe is that honestly, you just have to experience it. Yeah, absolutely. We can give you books. Like you should read Sabbath as Resistance by Walter Brueggemann. Um, Ruth Haley Barton just came out with a a new book uh, called Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest. You should read that. But before you do any of that, just do it once. Yeah. And so we have designed the daily rhythm around Sabbath, which is out now. You can go and check it out is to help guide you through scheduling and setting up one dedicated period of time, not even a whole day, by the way, one dedicated period of time to just practice Sabbath one time. And our guess is that when you do that, as it happened for us, the light bulb's going to go on and and you're going to say, oh, I get it. And so... You just made two big distinctions for people who have been in church their whole lives. Okay. You said pick a day. You didn't say Sunday. Right. Mm -hmm. And you said, pick a time. You didn't say a full day. So what I hear you saying there is there's freedom to design this to experience it. That's right. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In Mark, it talks about Sabbath was made to meet your needs. And in order to experience that, start small. That's exactly right. Do something small. And it doesn't doesn't have to be that full day. Absolutely. That's right. So what our families, we practice traditionally. Friday at about five to sometime early to late afternoon on Saturday. And sometimes it's only Friday night and sometimes it's the full 24 hours. But that's what works for our families right now. And so, friend, here's what we're asking you to do. Try a Friday night. And all you got to do is gather your family together and say, first things first, we're going to stop. We're not doing any work, no chores, We're not doing homework. There's no practice. We're just going to be together and we're going to rest. And then we're going to ask ourselves the question of like, what would bring joy to our soul? What could we delight in? If you guys like making a meal, like I like making a meal, then make a meal together. If you like watching a family movie, like Josh, your family likes to do on Friday nights and order pizza, then do that. If it's a Sunday bar, ice cream Sunday bar, then do that. But find something that would delight your soul. And here's the like, the thing, just invite Jesus into it. So you take a Friday night movie night where the kids are playing Legos and the adults are sitting in the corner talking and connecting, and you take that moment and you pause and you go, hey, come here, everybody. Hey, tonight's going to be... Josh, what was the term you used? A a family rest day, (laughs) a rest evening? Yeah, uh, we got little kids, 14 down to six. And when we started this, it was more like 12 down to four or whatever. And so you have to put it in their context. Use the word Sabbath. That doesn't align with a lot of people's vocabulary. And so it was easy to be like, it's not a day off because they don't understand that either, but right. it's a family rest day. Yeah. And then we filled in the blanks over time, right? Yep. So we kind of had to clear it 
And then we started building in those things. That's it. Right. And the distinction between a vacation, quote unquote, and a, a deep period of rest, the difference is bringing God into that. When we go on vacation, most of us don't bring God into that. When we set aside or we sanctify, to use biblical terminology, when we sanctify, set aside a time period and invite God into that, all of a sudden, we start to learn this rhythm of rest, this rhythm of Sabbath. And that's where the practice of gratitude also comes in. We'll talk about that at another time on the podcast. For our family, we do something called high-low buffalo. Hey, by the way, hold on, pause. I stole that. <laughs> it's so good. And my kids oh, same, get more same. excited about the buffalo exactly. than any of the other pieces. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. so, And we added high-low buffalo, something that you're thankful for. That's a rhythm to it. It does. It does. So it's what's the high of your day, what's the low of your day. On Sabbath, we'll do high of your week, low of the week. Okay. Buffalo's random fact. Just tell us something. Something. <laughs> Some of the things I've heard from my kids, so I want to investigate their <laughs> educational systems. Yes. Exactly. So it's hysterical. And then something that you're thankful for. Where did you see God move this week? Mm. And then a lot of times that'll turn into a spiritual conversation where we'll talk about, man, we need rest. Man, where is God showing up? And, and it's this really beautiful thing. That is the key to Sabbath beyond just the stopping and resting is recognizing God, bringing him into that, and that's worship. And then as you get better at it, as you practice it more, yeah. you'll go down the rabbit trail. And so just if you're practicing it a little bit and you want to go down the rabbit trail, here's just a couple of resources for you. Ruth Barton's book, Embracing the Rhythms of Work and Rest, we talked about that. Uh, we talked about Brigham's book. We'll link to all that. But here's the the other one. We're huge fans of Practicing the Way. They're pretty good. They're pretty good, right? Josh, they're not bad, right? No, not bad at all. In <laughs> fact, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can't say enough good things right. about how they've been able to put things together. So they have a four-week in-depth practice communally, specifically communally, on Sabbath. And so check out our daily rhythm. Try it one time. Read a book if you want. And then check out practicing the way. But the point is, is just start, do it one time. Well, and if you're starting on it, to take a Friday night and have a five-minute conversation of something they're grateful for, and as a parent, maybe even sharing something you learned about God that week of inviting Him in, just that five minutes can shift it from a family movie night to a Sabbath instantly. Friends, it is time for one of our favorite parts of this podcast, and yours too. We've heard it from you. Three Things We Love is our chance to spread a little joy into your life in the spring season by telling you three things we've discovered, we love, and we hope and think you will too. We're not trying to promote anything. We haven't got any kickbacks yet. We're just saying that we're in love with these items, and well, maybe you should check them out. This is our April edition. Feel good about that. We're sitting here in springtime thinking about Holy Week, things we love. Hi, Holy Week. Thank you, oh, Hi, King Timothy. <laughs> so we're going into Holy Week now, and uh, I'd love to know, Kelly, what is something that you love this week? I have been super excited to share this with you guys. I've had it in my back pocket for a while. Okay, <laughs> not the actual bottle because it wouldn't fit. But it's kombucha. But it's, have you guys ever had kombucha? Hard I no. Feel, I feel like you just yeah. swore at me. No. Hard no. <gasps> What? Shoot! I already drank it. It's empty. I'm sorry. Next time, I'll bring I'll bring a sample. Is it fermented? It is, and it's combined with a tea, 
as well. Okay, it's gut health. My that's, stomach that's just this. gurgled. <laughs> Most no. of the most of the, hey most of the people listening know what kombucha yes. is. They know what it's for. Oh, they know what it right. does. All, they all may the, not all have had it though. All but, the girls out there know what I'm talking about. Okay, oh, but this all is the ladies. brew doctor kombucha. Okay, and the flavor is love, and of course, is lavender. I would expect mm, what's that on my less. palate right now? I what do I taste? It's love. It's love. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I would say I probably only drink about half of it at a time. Okay. Um, but it's just really good for gut health. It's so that caring our, for your belly. So that our daughter can steal the other half? Yeah. She puts it back in the fridge empty. So do you know what I did this last <laughs> week? I think Tim saw it like play out. Do your kids do this? Everything's empty. Everything has less than a half of an ounce. Oh, no. Oh, no. They put it back they will with nothing be in it. Empty okay. cereal em- box, yeah. empty. So she sneaks my kombucha and it was empty. So I filled it up with water, put the tight, like the cap on tight. And she was like, mm. oh, mom, that was so gross. So Kelly, great work on that. I mm-hmm. love it. Kombucha. 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 All Lavender right. Kelly, we have the same uh, brand. I bottles in, in our fridge too. I think we get them at Costco or something like yes. that in this okay. big box pack in wow. different flavors. This is the best They're good. of the flavors. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Josh, I'm you're a, fan. you're a kombucha fan, so you can follow that up hopefully. What oh, is a, what's something that you love? Mine's actually a book, which I know we made fun of last, last season, but since then, and maybe a little before, I've become a more avid reader. I think Listen, my wife- you read like read two like, books before you turned 30, and now you've read yep. like a library since then. Well, I've read a shelf. Let's, okay, let's we'll <laughs> I've read a shelf. This one's really cool. I actually got it last last Christmas. So I've had this on my shelf for a long time and I'm probably reading 5 to 6 books right now. I'm more of a slow reader, like to, like to kind of just contemplate that sort of thing. And also time, I don't prioritize it. But this one's this one's <laughs> cool. It's called How Not to Read the Bible. Mm. Uh, that sounds like so you're promoting this. Oh, absolutely. Here's the thing. Wait a second. Tim's done. Time. I don't prioritize it. That's amazing. I love the (laughs) self-awareness. He's like, I don't prioritize it, and you shouldn't read the Bible. Josh. No, it's not don't read the Bible. Okay, sorry. It's how not to read the Bible. Let me just read you the subtext. The question asked is like, is reading the Bible the fastest way to lose your faith? Because here's the thing. Fun fact. Did you know that unicorns are mentioned in the Bible? Mm. What? The word. Unicorn is in the Bible. And people in culture and society use that to, you know, disprove the Bible. And that sounds funny. And there's there's a reason why, and we won't go into why the word unicorn is in the Bible, but it has to do with the King James Version transliteration of the Greek Septuagint. Anyways, here's the thing. This book is meant to demystify the more triggering issues, anti-women, pro-slavery, Uh, Mm. pro-violence, you know, how would a loving God do this, 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 and this? It's not about mythical things like unicorns, although like (laughs) that is literally in there. It makes very good points of like, never read one Bible verse. Hmm. Jeremiah 29, 11 is probably the most taken out of context thing. And also one of my favorite verses. I also love that. I love that verse. It's literally wall art in my house. And now every time I look at it, I giggle. So it's like live, <laughs> laugh, love, Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> yeah. For I know the plans. That's good. Gather. You know, um, anyways, it is, it is funny. It's got memes in it. The writer is Dan Kimball. The entire foreword is a foreword of authors and communicators and pastors and theologians that we all know who are saying like, here's a book that will help you understand the Bible, help you understand scripture. And I think this 
might potentially come up as a resource for us when we actually talk about the, the topic of scripture well, the practice. That's awesome. That. So, yeah. so you can read the book that says how not to read your Bible while drinking yep. your Dr. Brew kombucha. Mm-hmm. And Tim, what are we, what going. are we snacking on during that time? Oh, we're going full circle. Oh, baby. We are. My favorite thing is dark chocolate potato chips by Alpine chocolate. Okay. My mind is blown. Listen, I have a sweet tooth. And there are several combinations of things that blow my mind. And I'm like, I could just, this could be my dessert forever, right? Like blueberry lemon. That's a classic. Anything blueberry lemon as an example. Dark chocolate and potato chips. Mm, When you put dark, exactly. When you put dark chocolate on a potato chip, and it's got to be good chocolate. I think that's actually like the one and done for me. If there were only one snack slash dessert forever, I think this would be it actually. Okay. And just, you know, bro, that's a bold statement. I know. You're, I, you're I, skipping over cheesecake. You're uh, skipping over pie. You're skipping, skipping over, over tiramisu. Warm, you're skipping chocolate over chocolate chip, cookies, salted chocolate cookies. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. It's not my thing. It's your thing. Very, There's something though where you don't eat the whole bag. Because exactly. Because it's so rich. It is. Because you're a quitter. Because oh. you're a quitter. <laughs> yeah. I was going like, to say it, but you did. Like I could go through a quick like top five desserts. Like Grand Traverse Blueberry Crumble Pie is in the top five. That's why I get it for you all the time. Chocolate chip cookies with sea, with salt, sea salt and a glass of red wine, that combo. And some ice cream. Nope. No, the wine and ice cream. Yeah. Game changer, right? <laughs> there's there's a few of those out there. Chocolate covered strawberries. Chocolate covered strawberries, awesome. right? Dark chocolate potato chips. Oh my god. I feel like next next time we, we revamp this idea, we should do like lists. Instead of like three things oh. that we love, we should do like top lists. Cause I think we could really get our audience in an uproar <laughs> over some of this. So okay, so this is what you're doing. You're on your Sabbath. You're reading the book about how not to read the Bible. You're drinking your kombucha and you're snacking on dark chocolate potato chips. All right, that sounds like, that sounds, sounds like sounds like a win. Structural rest to me. <laughs> structural rest. That's it. Three things we love. Love it. All right, friends. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope three things we love brings a little joy to your life. Guys, this finishes up part one. Oh, man. Of season two. We're moving on. Moving on. This season's divided into three parts. Be still, listen, and seek well. So part two, coming to a podcast near you is all about how to listen to the voice of God. And we're going to divide it up in two episodes and we've got some great interviews coming, one of which is going to be a, um, a counselor, psychologist, friend of ours, new friend of ours, who's going to talk about the three voices, which is, I cannot wait for that, for that episode. And so if you've ever wondered like, hey, A, does God still speak? B, how does he speak? And C, how would I listen to him? Part two's coming and we're excited for it. And I think it's going to be fantastic. So be on the lookout for that. So thanks for listening. Hey, do us a favor. Just share this with a friend. Somebody you know is tired and worn out, needs to rest. Shoot them this episode and say, hey, I like this. You should like this. Learn how to rest. And do your day of Sabbath. And we will see you on part two of Free and Light. See you soon. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.